0: Welcome to Unleash Your Niche with me, Amy Cager, a podcast aimed at helping you get clear on your business niche and identity so you can stand out, become the go-to person in your field and attract more of the right customers. Enjoy the episode. Today, we're gonna to be talking about how to stand out using your emails because that is their Specialty, as the name email marketing heroes will suggest so hello Rob and Kennedy
1: nice hello
0: hello hello well um yeah it'd be great if you could for those who are watching and listening who may not know uh, a little bit about you tell us a little bit more about you and what you do
2: So we have a bit of a weird background. We'll give you the really short history lesson. Uh, I am actually a, I'm Rob, I'm a comedy stage hypnotist. For like the last just under 18 years, I've been traveling all over the world, hypnotizing people in a show, making them do crazy things just for the fun of it. And uh, that's that. And Kennedy is a mind reader or anyone listening in the States would know that as a mentalist. He uses things like body language, psychology, influence, understanding people, reading people to make it look a lot like he can read people's minds. Because when you can do all of that, you basically can read people's minds and has been doing that for like after dinner, banquets and corporate events and amazing places all over the world again for for actually the last 18 years as well. So we became friends through the world of entertainment and the fact that we both do what is actually psychology-driven entertainment, hypnosis and mind reading. They both rely on our ability to put thoughts into people's head, take thoughts out of people's head, influence their behavior and make them believe or feel certain things, right? Yeah,
0: that's it. And the quiet
2: one, just so you know. Uh, Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, I think that's great that you obviously mentioned um, the fact that you do have a more unusual background because as we are here talking about uh, niches, that's obviously what I talk about majority of the time. You have a very clear one and I see it as you're very clear in kind of all three aspects of what uh, a good niche should have. So that is, uh, focusing on you, so you are something that stands out, as well as what you do and who your audience is, and obviously your uh, your backgrounds, your kind of magic magical backgrounds are an element. So, yeah, tell us a little bit more about your niche and how you came to um, have your the niche you have now.
1: What's really strange is if. If you've, as an entertainer, you do what, in Michael Gerber's book, The E-Myth, you, they, he talks about this, if everyone's not read that book, you absolutely need to go and buy that book or read that book, steal it from somebody, I don't know. Um, you need to go and read that book, The E-Myth by Michael Gerber, because he talks about, when you when you start off in your business, and maybe this is you, you start off in your business as somebody, what they call the technician, you get into this because you like doing the thing you like doing. So I really enjoy performing on stage. Rob really likes performing on stage. Uh, Amy really loves doing strategic work with businesses to help them grow through understanding their niche. Like we we all start doing that thing, right? But then one day you wake up and you realize hot diggity. I don't know why I said hot diggity, but that's that's what I'm (laughs) going for. Uh, Because it's it's the 90s now, everybody. That's how long we have been in COVID-19. We've now gone back around again. Uh, Suddenly I've got a business. I've got to do the marketing. I've got to do sales. I've got to do finance. I've got to do strategy. We've we've got to do all these things. And suddenly you've created a business around yourself. You've created yourself a job. And as part of that, as an entertainer, you end up having to do the marketing. You have to do the sales. And one of the things that Rob and I independently didn't even talk to each other about it, ended up being accidentally good at, was selling our shows and, and nurturing relationships with clients with prospective clients and uh, people we met at at events and uh, networking events, all of that through email marketing, which allows us to leverage our time better and also systemize things so that the sales process and the education process and the marketing is predictable. So it's scalable so that people can't fall through the gaps. So we ended up accidentally then applying our skills in psychology and understanding people to email marketing and sales. And what's really interesting about that is, look, if you're a salesperson, or you've got a sales background, or maybe you, we all know a salesperson, right? You know, the worst that can happen at the end of that conversation or the end of that, that meeting is you don't get that one sale. And that's like bad and stuff. It's like, it's pretty bad, but it's not the end of the world. It's not the end of your career because you can fix that. Whereas if the psychology that we use doesn't work, we don't have a career. Like if I go on stage and I can't figure out what Bruce is thinking of, then the rest of the audience quickly in the book, I realize this guy can't do it. He's not a mind reader. He's just a man. And that's (laughs) it. And, and the same for Rob, if he, if he can't get them to drop into that trance and stay in that trance and respond to his every subconscious command, then the people in the, in the theater are going to all ask for a refund. So, We've really had to use these these skills on, in the firing line when it really matters and it has to work every time. And that's what we bring. We bring this idea of not being pushy. It's about really being subtle, and it's about doing it in a way that's really friendly. And that's how we bring these two worlds together.
0: Yeah, I like the fact that, uh, that you do have a different viewpoint, uh, a different angle to email marketing, and that is something else that really makes you stand out and makes you – will it appeal and attract certain people rather than, as you say, the kind of more old school thoughts on email marketing and, and all those aspects. Because <laughs> I love the fact that you um, say you're quite against that kind of die, unsubscribe or- <laughs> Yeah, oh yeah, thing?
1: I die or unsubscribe. Yeah, that's it, <laughs> yeah, that's it. yeah. I mean, that's, that's what email marketing has been forever. You know what it is? Marketers break everything, everything. Everything was good. Facebook was good, marketers got a hold of it, knacked it. Twitter was great. Remember those days? That's gone. You know, like everything was good. email marketing was great until marketers started doing it. And I think you don't have to do that thing where you build a massive list of people. You don't even need a massive list of people, really. Uh, and then you don't have to email them until they buy, die, or unsubscribe. As somebody said to us in an event we were keynoting just last year. So it's yeah, it, we, we and what's a actually it brings it a really interesting point about niches. I'm gonna go off on one now, won't I? Um, but. A really great way of standing out is to stand against something. It's mm. a really great way of niching, of going, yeah, that's all great and everything, but we really don't like that. And there's a whole bunch of stuff we stand against, which we could maybe get into in this episode, or we could talk about it another time. But like, things like repurposing content, actually, I think most of that is BS. Honestly, I think that's pretty much always awful. There's a whole bunch of them, aren't there? What's the other thing the other day we were talking about, Rob? That was, you were like, yeah, most people do that. We think that's not very good as well. Do you remember what it was?
2: There's loads of like gimmicky things that people put into their marketing, like false urgency and false scarcity. It's not just an email; it's in everything, really. Like, there's a whole bunch of like gimmicks that people rely on and use uh, that are a a bit transparent and, and b not very effective. Um, mm. So yeah, so we stand against all of that stuff. Like, you know, people saying the offer is going to expire at midnight, and then in fact, I just saw it the other day. I bought a thing that was expired. This is a special offer; it's half price. It's expiring at midnight. Following day, I got an email. Not only did they not remove me from the promotions about that thing. Which is annoying, uh, but then I also got an email the following day saying the sale's been extended for two days, mm-hmm. and I instantly just lose all trust and faith in that business.
0: Exactly, that's the thing. It does, doesn't it? And it puts everyone else under that in that bad light as well. Even when if you're trying not to <laughs> to do those Don't things, really.
1: you know, I think we have, have, to have to remember.
2: Them. Yeah,
1: exactly. and you have to remember your 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 training, your audience. And one of the things you've got, we've got to be training our audience in is whether they should trust what we say or not. And if we say, you know, we have customers, we, we have different promotions happening at different times, our different list building courses or email marketing courses or, you know, psychology courses, whatever. And people, which means the offer closes at some point. So it means every day, pretty much, we get somebody saying, oh, I just missed out on that offer. It, it closed like an hour ago. Can I still get it? And our policy is no, under no mm-hmm. circumstances do we go, oh, we'll do you a favor because What happens is the next time that person sees another offer and they see it's closing at 10 o'clock, they are at the front of the queue to buy that thing rather than actually not just thinking, oh, I can wait till it's closed, then I'll buy it. Actually, it's a much bigger damage than that because what happens is the idea of any urgency from you disappears completely because they think, oh, well, if I ever do want it, I'll just ask Rob and Kennedy and they'll just give, they'll, they'll honor that price. So actually, they've got no impetus to do it Ever. So we have to really be careful of that. And, and the bigger feeling of trust around us as well, I think, is, is important.
0: No, absolutely. So, talking about emails then, so what do you suggest if someone is either, either starting with their list? Because I'm sure there's lots of people who don't have lists and they're relying on things like social media. Um, and we all know that's not the best thing because if that all, you know, Instagram decides to close tomorrow, you're a little bit up um, a certain type of creek. And, you know, so what should people be thinking about with starting? Because it can be really daunting, especially if your list is really, really small or non-existent.
2: Yeah. So I think the first thing for me is the minute you get one subscriber on your list, or if you've got more than one right now, maybe you've got 10 or 20 or 100 or whatever, but the minute you get your first subscriber on your list. You have to treat that as if it's a list of 100,000 or a million people or whatever list size you aspire to be. We believe that actually, if you've got a list of about 5,000 people, that's as big as most people ever need to get. Like any bigger than that, it starts to become less manageable, more expensive to host, and you can make a really good income from like 5,000 people. But whatever you aspire to have, treat it like that list from day one. And here's the reason why. When you're on social media, like on Facebook or Instagram or something, if you've got 22 followers, I can see you've got 22 followers. On your email list, I've got no idea. I just know that when you send me an email, I get it. I can't see the other person getting their email. I can't see the person on that side of me getting their email. When you send me an email, I just get that one email. And you know, nor do you change the way you're writing to them. You don't say, you know, hi, guys, when you've got 100 people, but you only say, hello, Bob, when you've got one. You know, it's, it always is just hello, first name. So I think for me... Uh, Treat them like you've got a a massive list. One of the big mistakes I made starting out in like 2008 was I started building a list and I decided I wasn't going to sell anything to the list until it got to 10,000 subscribers. I've no idea where that number came from. It just seemed like a big number. So I worked really hard, spent a lot of money, drove lots of ads. This is back like before Facebook ads were really a thing, but I did lots of stuff. And I managed to get the list to about 12,000 people in about nine months. And then I realized, oh, wow, I'm over 10,000 now. I can start selling stuff. Because up to that point, I was sending them like blog posts and other free resources and doing like partner swaps with other people where I'd promote their free thing and they'd promote my free thing to help each build our list. Anyway, I started selling stuff, and suddenly people started unsubscribing in droves and writing back saying, "What's this about you scammer on the internet?" Because I just trained them to believe. go back to what Kennedy said about training your subscribers, just trained them to know that Rob's the guy who sends them all this awesome free stuff. Right? The minute in my show, the minute somebody comes into the auditorium of the theater, there's a 1000000 things, thing—not a million, but there's loads of things happening that are all designed to just train people to follow subconscious commands. Can't tell you what they are. That's the magic. But the stuff in the announcements, the things that I say, the stuff I do. When the volunteers first get on stage, you have to do that with your email list. From the minute people get involved, you have to start training them to follow your simple commands as to what you want them to do. Otherwise you're you're scubbered. So when you've got one subscriber, treat it the same as you will when you've got a hundred thousand. One of the things we talk about a lot
1: and we started saying, and this is a really good thing to write down and maybe think about quite a bit is build your audience on social media, but build your business by email. Right. The great thing about social media, an analogy we use a lot, is we talk about this framework that we have called uh, the rock star. Uh, rock, yeah, the rock. The ba- no, rock band. Got the name of it there. The rock band framework or or technique. And just think, think about this. If you imagine social media as like Glastonbury, as like some big festival where there's like loads of different bands on, right? And I might go along because I'm looking forward to seeing the Prodigy play, right? That'll be amazing. I'm going there. Prodigy going to be on. I'm going to be there for that. I better smack my. We're back to the nineties again. again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're back. There. We're back.
0: Nineties we're back music. I'm fine with. <laughs> I am in that mode all the time. I don't think I've yeah had any new music no, but... since then, so that's fine.
1: <laughs> there hasn't been any. There hasn't been any. No. Um, Often that guy with a loop pedal. What's he called? Anyway, yeah. So. So you are going to imagine you're a band, you're a rock band, and you're playing at one of these festivals. And the thing is, there's hundreds of thousands of people there, but they're not all there to see you. That's social media. Loads of people there, billions of people there, not all there to see you. But then I'm there, I'm having a good time, I'm waiting for Prodigy to play, and the killers come on. I'm like, I think some of their songs are all right. That bright side thing's quite good. It's all right. Yeah, it's good. But then they come on and they rock the place. I'm like, this is flipping great. The next time that the killers are playing at the arena near where I live in Newcastle, and I buy tickets for their show, now that's email marketing. It's going from being in a festival situation where everyone's around to being at a private concert where they're actually interested in you. Which is why we need to build an audience on social. We do need to absolutely do that, but then we need to move
2: them and build our business with email.
0: Oh, I love and I ju- that!
1: Uh, <laughs> and I just say, I if marriage. you saw
2: if if you saw The Prodigy and The Killers at the same festival, I reckon that was a long festival. <laughs> They've both played Glastonbury the same year. <laughs> I'm messing.
0: Although I bet the uh, killers would have been a bit annoyed that they weren't headlining that set. Although I would agree that Prodigy <laughs> are the uh, one that trumps them, but that's my own personal <laughs> personal opinion. They should not. They, they, I think they'd be a Friday and Saturday uh, <laughs> headline set. So, so I guess there. I mean, another thing that you think is really important is having your own personality in your emails, not just doing these kind of more old-fashioned newsletter-y type ones or just showing news or just having kind of product links and loads of images to click on and things, you know, that kind of old newsletter style. And I guess that's the thing with people, a thing that people put off with emails as well is what do I put in them? So I guess it's a combo of what should they be putting in to have this more personalized feel with the emails like they are, you know, you are emailing a friend rather than these newsletter type things.
1: If you take a look at all of the things that make up your brand for example. And, and your brand's the thing that allows you to uniquely communicate with your niche, basically. That's how the two things, I think, come together, right? So if you think about all the things that make up your brand, you need to be doing that stuff in everything. You need to do, basically, what you need to avoid is the typing email equivalent of the telephone voice. You know those people who, when they answer the phone, like, you'll be having a chat with them when the phone is, hello? You need to <laughs> basically, you need to not be, Mrs. Bouquet, lady of the house speaking, as soon as you start writing, writing your emails. you Because people do, they open up their email thing and they go, right, and then they start, they, they turn into, like, they, you, you read the manga, who's that? Who wrote that? It's not you. So some really good ways of coming up with that overcoming that. Or think about what we call you-isms. What are the kinds of turn of phrase or words you use for stuff? For example, Rob uses the word pop a lot. So pop over here and pop your email address in there. It makes me want to be sick. Whereas I use words like lovely and smashing and stuff like that. So just think about what your turns of phrase are. That's the first thing. Secondly, if you really struggle to type, one of the reasons that I got good at email is I email every day, five days a week for email marketing heroes. If you're on our, if you're on our list for email marketing heroes, Rob emails that list seven days a week. And the reason we do that, well, the reason I started writing every day is because I'm dyslexic. and I find writing very, very difficult and I have to put a lot of effort into it, but I use that as a reason to write and sort of train myself into a skill. But if you still find emailing difficult, that's fine. Or writing emails difficult. You can dictate them. You can speak to them and you can get most phones these days have got tech in them that allows you to just uh, voice to text. Or if if you're a bit more fancy and you've got an assistant who can do that, then then do that. So there's, there's definitely no excuse for doing that. But in terms of what goes into the email, so you've got your own personality,
2: do it in your way. There's a whole bunch of stuff you can do, right, Rob? Yeah. So the next thing I think is really to focus on stories and the stuff that's going on in your life and your business and whatever it is that you're up to. I think the one thing that, you know, we want to stand out with email and There's no harder, in theory, there's no harder place to do that than in the inbox. I mean, it is so cluttered with stuff. I can't remember the latest stat, but the average person in America, I know the stat for, uh, gets over 300 emails, uh, you know, in a in a two day period, and that's mad. If you think about, like, they're not looking at them all because a lot of them are just, you know, junk and rubbish and stuff they don't want to see. And so we do have to work hard to stand out. And the easiest way that you can rise above the noise and just separate yourself from any competition is to talk about the stuff that nobody else can talk about. Nobody else can talk about the things that you like and dislike. Nobody else can talk about the things that have happened to you in your life. So we use quite often stupid obscure stories about the stuff that's happened to us in our life. Like the fact I've ordered a doorbell, put it on my door three days later, it turns out nobody's rung the doorbell. Everybody's continuing to knock and I parcel arrived at my front door. I didn't order and I reached for a towel in the airing cupboard, knocked over a bottle of shower gel that went all, all over the floor and I fell on it and smacked my head on the floor. Stupid stories that got nothing to do with email marketing, but those are all things that have featured in our daily emails over the last week, couple of weeks or so, just because they're stuff, it's just stuff that happened to, to me personally, cause I write those emails that I find amusing, interesting, vaguely different. And so we use these stupid stories about the stuff that's happening to us in our everyday lives and weave them with cool lessons and what that means for somebody in their email marketing. And weave that in with sales pitches for our stuff, like our membership program and all of that. So basically we don't don't subscribe to the idea that you should just constantly email your list with a barrage of sales pitches, buy this, buy this, buy this, buy this. That confuses people though. And we say that you should send an email every day and you should sell in every email because you can do that. You can't, But we also don't spend months building up value and uh, reciprocity and sending them blog posts and you know just getting them to really like us so that once a quarter, we can run a big launch and sell something. So I think it's really important to realize that you can deliver value and educate and make sales pitches all in one go. And you can do it every day, 365 days a year, if you want to. No, yeah,
0: that's brilliant. And I think, you know, people are saying who you're saying email every day, 365 days. I'm sure some of them are kind of freaking out with, oh my God, I email once a month and I think it's too much or <laughs> those kind of things. Whereas that's not the case. The, you know, It's thinking about you are building that relationship with that person. And if you're not hearing from them every day, and I think people who say, um, because I think the thing is, isn't it? People go, oh, I don't want to annoy them by emailing them every day. I don't like receiving emails every day, or I get too many emails from this, this person or that person, or, oh, that person's really annoying. They email too much or whatever. So we're very worried about that. But how I kind of see that is that they're obviously sending the wrong things then. Because if people are thinking that they're emailing too much or they don't like receiving their emails, then it's not connecting and they're not feeling like they get to know you or that you've got any reason you know, to want to hear from them. Because it's like if your friend's emailed you, you're going to want to read that email, aren't you?
1: Yeah. And, and remember, we've got to remember why people are on our email list in the first place. They're not on there because they need a new friend or they want more emails. They're on there because they've got a problem or they've got something they need a solution to. And if, if you don't show up and help them, then you're not helping them. And they're going to be, they should be really angry about that. And they will be. So if you can show up every day with a little bit of digestible value, there's lots of different types of value. We you know, we could talk about that maybe another time, but we have like diff- eight different types of value that we talk about. People can share in their emails. One of them is to teach them something. One of them is to inspire them. It doesn't have to be teaching them something massive and profound, but people just need a little digestible piece of you in your personality that builds trust, builds knowledge about what your products are. Look, if you're only, we you should not be emailing. The old way of doing it was to email when you wanted to sell something. Don't do that because that sucks. What you want to do is you want to email as regular as you can. And if you are emailing monthly right now, all we're asking you to try, well, we're trying to inspire you to do is email more often. Just take it up to weekly. Yeah. Don't go from once a month to daily because people are going to hate you for that in the real world. And that's where we will all operate. And that's what we teach. And that's what we share. Go to weekly. And then once you've done that for a bit, if you're doing weekly, try and Get three times a week and just move it up. But tell people you're going to do it. Say, I want to to share more value with you, right? And so instead of emailing just when you want to sell something, email every day so you can make an impact and you can educate them about the problems they've got and help them with the problems they've got and educate them about your solutions so that at the moment they're ready to buy, you are there and you've built that trust, you've built that rapport, and you've built the knowledge around your product that's that's a much more modern way of doing it
0: no yeah that that is really good so if you are because i think the thing is is that people think about their email list or they remember they've got these people on their mailing list is when they do want to sell something and they suddenly remember and then they think ah i don't want to be that person that just emails my list to sell to them so is there any tips or advice on on how you can go about that if that is the situation that uh, that someone might be in
2: So the first thing I think you need to do is is emails are only too much for people. Like you said, if you're sending them the wrong stuff or your emails don't deliver that value or if they're just not expecting it. So one of the big problems that people have is a standard list building method, a really good list building method is give away some sort of free report or lead magnet or something, get people on your list and then email them. And the problem is technically speaking, those people usually, depending on what the copy on their page says, are normally only giving you their email address in order to receive that free thing. And the and okay, we're starting to become more accustomed and more attuned to the fact that we're now going to start receiving more emails. But still, you didn't actually say that. Most of the time, most people don't. So one of the things that we've, I think, really focus on is make sure that when somebody joins your list, put them through some sort of process. We have our getting to know you sequence, which of course you know about. And and basically have people go through a sequence of emails that says, great. And it has to, it has to act as the handover between the free thing they've asked for and everything else that you're going to do going forward. And so we tell them, that we're going to email you every day. And those emails are going to are going to contain these cool things. And we're going to give you the opportunity to work with us. And you're going to have this, you're going to have this. A bit like we think about it when you get on a train, you hear the train conductor say, welcome aboard the 1432 service to Bristol. We're going to be stopping at this station and this station and this station. And you feel that's great because I'm going to Bristol. That means I'm on the right train. And we're going to be stopping at these places at these exact times. That's good. I need to know that. And there's a buffet car going to go up and down the train. I need to know that. So all of these things set them up to know what's going to happen, and therefore it's perfectly acceptable. There's nothing, you can't do anything wrong if you've told somebody you're going to do it. So I think one of the, that's one of the best things to do. Now, if you're currently in a position where you've got a list of people and you have sort of ignored them a bit, well, first of all, let's just bear this in mind. People join your list because they've got some sort of problem. And at some point, they believe that you have or had the solution to the problem that they have or had. And so that means that they've joined your list in order to get help with that, whether that's to get that free report or webinar or whatever. So now, if you're going to ignore them completely, you're basically that jerk who goes on a first date and then completely ghosts the other person. Not that I know what that feels like, obviously. But effectively, you're that person, right? They've asked for help. And then you've suddenly said, well, I'll give you a little bit of help with this PDF thing that I'll send you. And then you've totally ignored them from there. So actually, you're doing them a disservice by not sending them more stuff. So that means that now, if you have been that, person. It's okay. Just make sure you send them an email and like reintroduce yourself and restart that process. Give them the opportunity to get off the train, give them the opportunity to unsubscribe at that point, which you do in every email anyway. But then just say, look, this is what's going to happen from now on. I'm going to be a better friend from this point forward. I'm going to help you with this. I'm going to help you with that. In fact, it's going to start in the next couple of days where I'm going to send you these emails or this video that's going to be about this cool thing And that will just help to revive and revitalize and wake up those people somewhat. And again, it puts you back on that path of you've told them what you're going to do. So now all you've got to do is fulfill on it. You said you're going to email them three times a week. Now you've got, now you better make sure you email them three times a week. Because otherwise you're setting them up as being somebody who doesn't do what they say they're going to do. And that doesn't build a very good relationship for somebody who might end up buying your products or services, right?
0: No, absolutely. And yeah, thinking about it in that that way does suddenly make it. Kind of seem much more than just oh I've just got to email these. lists like when am I going to do that in the week? Or Wednesday I'll do that. And it becomes not about you then, is it? It's about them and and say like the expectations that you set for them and all those aspects as well. It's kind of yeah, treating them as you would, I guess, like a friend. Like you wouldn't someone you got on a date with or whatever. You wouldn't do those things to people in real life, so you shouldn't really be doing them on email either and I think the fact that it is such a different thing than social media and I think that's where maybe people kind of have got used to more of a uh, not exactly a hands-off approach but with social media and things that you just kind of post things and I know there's obviously talking to people and and building relationships on there as well but that whole kind of post and walk away and that's kind of it you know (laughs) it is much more about to say that other person rather than than yourself really isn't it totally Mm. Cool. So any other final things that people should be thinking about when it comes to uh, email marketing or building their lists or anything, any other last words of wisdom?
1: I think there's a few things, right? I think one of them, and we talked about two of these, I'll give like you a third one. So the first one is increase the frequency which you email. Everybody can benefit from that because you'll build deeper relationships with people faster. The second thing is to give value in the emails. So make sure the emails you're sending are valuable in and of themselves, even if you took out the sales offer. Like we, no emails, pretty much, this is not 100% true, about 90% of our emails all are, have to go through a process, which is if I just took out the thing that says, Hey, come and check out our podcast, the email marketing show, or come and have a check out our membership, the league of of, of email marketing heroes or whatever. If you took out those things, would the email content in and of itself still give value to people? And that might be that inspiration or that entertainment or whatever the heck it is uh, that you're doing. The third thing you want to do, I would really strongly suggest, and this is where a lot of people fall down, is you want to have what we call an email marketing engine. And that is a core system in your business of Pre-written campaigns that people go through, so you can warm them up, introduce them to you, start off with that getting to know you sequence, that welcoming and onboarding sequence. Then introduce them to your product. Because if people don't get introduced to your product, the challenge is, if you're part way through, if you if they were just if they just go straight into your everyday emails, you're going to make lots of assumptions about the people. They they're going to receive that first email and be like what are we talking about what is this thing called the league what is it what is this league thing you know what is this podcast the donna whatever if you haven't set up the frame for what all these emails are about so that system that whole engine that we call it of different email campaigns which everybody goes through can contain introducing people to your to your product they can also contain specific promotion structures campaign structures that kind of thing before they go into your everyday sort of broadcast or so your weekly broadcast or something like that so those are the three things I think you should you should mainly have
0: cool no that sounds brilliant so yeah lots and lots of things to think about when it comes to email marketing but it is it is uh, there is so many different things that you could do and so many ways you can can tailor it to your business um it is such a kind of an amazing tool that's I think quite underrated obviously you don't think so but (laughs) I think it's kind of forgotten about sometimes it's kind of the one that people don't think of first it's the one they do later on or you know they're focusing on things like social media and things like that first of all aren't they so yes that's how I kind of see it so where can people find out about you more or see more of the goodness that you have to offer
2: Yeah, sure. Well, if you want to hear us wittering on about email marketing on a weekly basis, we have our podcast, The Email Marketing Show. There's a little sign behind Kennedy's head. And basically, that's that's, that's where we talk about email marketing every single Wednesday. uh, It's obviously totally free. And every other Wednesday, we have a guest who comes and joins us and talks about some sort of campaign or idea or strategy or email marketing thing that they've been doing. Uh, And there's some amazing episodes of that. So you can go and check that out on your favorite podcast player. So go and do that. Or you can go to theemailmarketingshow.com and you'll be able to see that there. The other place we
1: hang out the most, talk about email marketing, maybe you've been watching this or listening to this thinking, that's all great, but my business is different and and we totally appreciate that. Everyone's business is different. How do I apply this stuff? How would that work for me? Maybe you've got some questions or whatever. We hang out in our free Facebook group, Every day, pretty much all day long, we should probably get some work done. We're in there far too much, is what I'm trying to say. And if you go to Facebook and look for the email marketing show community, that is our free Facebook group. And it is a hive of excitable uh, people uh, who talk email marketing and other stuff related to business. Honestly, it's much broader than that. Uh, we'd love to see you in there, answer your questions, get involved. That'll be great. The email marketing show community on Facebook.
0: Brilliant. Thank you so, so much. It is. So interesting hearing all your thoughts about email marketing. Um, obviously, I am a big fan of you guys and uh, yeah, it's been brilliant. Thank you so, so much for joining me and joining us today. Oh my God, aren't Rob and Kennedy fantastic? They are just so funny and what they don't know about email marketing just is not worth knowing. I hope you got plenty of tips on how to stand out using your emails to make a real connection with your readers. If you want to find out more from Robin Kennedy, I have the link to their Facebook group and their podcast in the show notes. And don't forget to come and join us over in my Facebook group, Unleash Your Niche, and you can join in the conversation with us. To so join, just search Unleash Your Niche in Facebook. That's all from me. I'll catch up with you next time or over in the group. Have an amazing week thanks so much for listening to the unleash your niche podcast if you enjoyed this episode do please check out amycager.com where you'll find more to help you get focused and clear on your niche and how to amplify that in your communication